This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What episode is this? 98? 98. There 98. it is. There it is. Two more to what triple is- digits. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have a big celebration for episode 100. Either that or I'm going to forget about it and then just do a, no- a normal episode. Um, <laughs> One or the other, right? Yeah. <laughs> all in or all out, pretty so, much. Yeah, something, something will get done. Something will get done. Welcome into episode 98 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. That voice that you just heard is one of the active Jesse Lopez, shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti is somewhere in the shadows lurking. And I'm Jason Goff. Um, you know, well, first, let me get off to the right start because I get I get yelled at. Um, shout out to all the cafeteria workers out there. You feel me? Whether you're in the a school dealing with these badass kids or if you're in a, you know, a shelter helping uh, the less fortunate, whatever the case may be, we appreciate you doling out whatever slop you got in that ladle. Shout out to you. Uh, Shout out to the, to the mail carriers, right? 
um, because I keep running into the mail carrier that I never saw for a good six or seven months while living here. And I've seen her like now three or four times uh, this last week. So shout out to you for bringing all the bills and all the other shit that I don't want coming to this address. Shout out to you, United States Postal Service in full effect. Uh, shout out to all the veterinarians out there, too, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to have to get my dog uh, spayed here soon. And, and I know what kind of process, well, I'm learning what kind of process that could be and how costly that process could be. So shout out to all you veterinarians out there for uh, being the, the doctors for patients who can't talk. So y'all can get away with mad malpractice and the dogs can't say shit. And, and, and listen, man, if there's, if there's a place to be where you could just, you know, do some things and, and know that your patient ain't going to say nothing, a vet might be the move for you. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna have all the vets in my mentions killing me. So, you know, shout out to y'all. And, and also shout out to all the uh, single moms and single dads out there doing anything, holding it down. Um, so I grew up for the first, was it seven, eight years of my life? We, we, we bounced around a little bit, north side, south side, here and there. And then we settled in Evanston, Illinois. Right. 19. Was it 88? I think we I think 87, 88, something like that. Uh, we settled in Evanston, Illinois. But as a part of my childhood, I was allowed to spend a ton of time at my grandmother's house uh, with you know my five uncles who I grew up with, like my brothers. Um, my, my grandmother's house was on 8845 South State Street, uh, right off the damn Ryan. Um, even to this day, I go back around that block. I, I drive back around that block. I drive. I just go and sit in front of that house every once in a while. Uh, shout out to the people who are now in that house who are like, who the fuck is this guy sitting outside of the, the house in a car and never coming in or never saying hello? I, I probably should discontinue that now that I'm mentioning it here on a podcast. But shout out to the shout out to that family who has yet to call the police on me. Um, I don't do it often, by the way. <laughs> I probably should have leaded, led this story off a different way, but we hear we're, we're gonna have we, to beat that address, Jay. We're just uh, gonna have to beat I that mean, address. Either way, either way, my grandmother been gone for a long time, so ain't nobody, you know, my my people ain't gonna be hurting if you go over there. You might be though, because it's still, it's still, it's still South State Street. It's still the crazy eighties over there. Um, but I say that to say this, I, I appreciated my time on the South Side for many, many reasons, whether it be um, learning how to talk to girls, right, on the South Side, um, learning how to play real varsity basketball in terms of pickup games and, you know, going to 36, going to 31, you know, building up your, your, your resistance going to the lane, getting fouled 95 times, and then getting there finally to, just to get a basket, uh, spending many a summer on, on that particular block. Um, I learned a few things, and I ran into a lot of characters, you know, guys who had names that rhymed, right? Shout out to Vimp the Pimp and Lark in the Dark. These are actual people that I, uh, I was around. <laughs> and, and shout out to my, my dearly departed brother, Keon, um, and I learned from all those people in one night where I was near a dice game that I shouldn't have been near in an alley. And I heard the term scared money don't make no money. 
And boy, I couldn't wait to get to Evanston till I, so I could say that. Boy, I walked around the cafeteria as a, like a nine or 10 year old, just like, yeah, man, scared money don't make no money. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? We ain't nobody got no money in here. We trading, we trading juice boxes. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And after the NFL draft has wrapped up, Vimp the Pimp and Lark in the Dark and everybody who taught me everything that they taught me over there on the south side of Chicago, 8845 South State Street. No, don't forget Wabash over there. You know, 88th and Wabash, still, still home. But I come away with thinking the same thing that I thought back when I was a kid. Scared money don't make no money. Sometimes you got to take big swings to get big returns. And I'm left wanting more after Ryan Poles' first draft. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, mainly, Justin Fields. I mean, I'm left asking myself this, Bears fans, and we just, we, we workshopping this thing, right? We, we whiteboarding this thing. Does Ryan Poles believe in Justin Fields to his core? Like, to his, his, his very deepest, and, and most bright recesses, because you don't want to talk about the darkest recesses, because you, you're talking about somebody who, who, who you should have um, a fondness for, your franchise quarterback. Is he all in on this dude? Now, mind you, he didn't pick him. He didn't select him. He didn't trade up. You know, he didn't mortgage future draft capital to select him. That was Ryan Pace's decision. But I'm left thinking to myself, after seeing this draft and after seeing how it played out, especially with those first couple of second-round picks. And then, after what Ryan Poles himself had to say, Ryan Poles had this to say about drafting a wide receiver in the second round. He said it'd be a huge mistake, as I draw up the, uh, the quote here. He said it'd be a huge mistake to draft a player at that position in round two. He said, I, I want to be able to communicate with my quarterback so he understands from me kind of the direction we're going in and what we're looking at. He's the trigger man. Like, he has the ball in his hands. He should be a part of that. So it leads me to believe that if they had Justin Fields, if they had his ear, if they were talking to him and saying, yo, Justin, what do you need? Who do you like? This is the tape. You know, let's send you some draft prospects, some guys that you're probably familiar with, other guys that you're not familiar with. What do you think of these guys? What do you think of these pass catchers? Because uh, I'm pretty sure you didn't have them evaluating offensive linemen, right? And then to come away with selecting nobody in that second round who played the position and waiting for that third-round pick to get Valus Jones, who leads with being a return guy, a return specialist, and then a wide receiver second. This man was at USC and Tennessee and had decent production at two powerhouse schools, you know, two name schools, two name conferences. Now, is he Cordero Patterson or is he Debo Samuel? We'll find that out in the wash, right? It'll, it'll all come out. But it, it left me scratching my head in the moment and even more so now. Because after the draft, this is what Ryan Poles had to say. He said, what we sat parenthetically in round two, there were two good starting level defensive players. And I would have made a huge mistake for this organization to say, quote, let's leave them there. Let someone else take them. And we're going to go to offense where they're not on the same level. And then you're kicking yourself a year or two later when that guy's an all pro because, quote, yeah, 
I just did what I needed at the time. So it comes back to discipline and doing things the right way. And I felt like that's going to be a decision that we're all happy with, unquote. If I'm Ryan Poles and I'm 36 years old, this is my very first draft. Yes, you got to stick to your gut. You got to stick to the journey and the process and the the direction that you and your fellow scouts alike came up with. You know, the the deliberation that that goes into some of these drafts, I I can't imagine. Pouring over this guy, that guy, fourth, fifth round. I mean, hell, when you see Les Snead and Sean McVay interrupting their post-draft press conference because they saw the Patriots take a guy, I believe, 104, that they thought uh, was going to be there still, and saying, ah, the Patriots took him. We spent all this damn time watching this guy, and they took him, and they're laughing about it. But that's, that's Sean McVay and Les Snead. That's the the reigning world champion, L.A. Rams. So, yeah, they're playing with house money right now. And they've got a proven, tried and true uh, developmental and scouting process. And if not, they just go out and get players. (laughs) They'll go out and get Odell Beckham Jr. They'll go out and get Vaughn Miller. They'll go out and get Jalen Ramsey. And cap be damned, salary be damned, uh, draft picks be damned. They're, They're playing a different ball game than the Bears are right now. But when I hear that quote, when I read that quote, Boy, oh boy, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, your careers from here on out will be compared to that of Sky Moore, that of John Mechie, that of Alec Pierce, that of a bunch of these wide receivers that people had high grades on going uh, into this draft, and especially after day one in the first round. I hope Sky Moore has a great career because I think Sky Moore is a damn good player. I hope Alec Pierce has a great career because I think Alec Pierce is a damn good player. But to to surround Justin Fields with offensive linemen only and then a return specialist slash wide receiver, and just in, just in case you've been looking at this offseason, the Bears have lost Allen Robinson, James Daniels, and Jimmy Graham. And you may say to yourself, all right, two out of those three guys last year especially, the returns weren't there. But there's still professional-grade players who you have to replace some way, somehow. And the fact that their production wasn't there last year, yeah, your offense didn't produce. So it's not like you're looking at an offense that was off the charts and you had a couple of guys who didn't produce and all you have to do is replace them. No, your offense was trash last year. I'm just wondering, and this is for my my scouting friends and all the people out there who who listen to this podcast who are in the NFL business, around the NFL business, or observers of the NFL, I'm just wondering, how much pressure are you really putting on Luke Getze as a play caller? Because this whole Packers thing where it's like, hey, man, they had injuries on the offensive line and wide receivers coming and going and, you know, the the one constant or the two constants were Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Well, I, I'll be damned. Those are, pretty two, those are two pretty good constants. Those, those are two pretty good um, known quantities, known commodities. Right now on this Bears offense, you tell me what the known commodities are. And now tell me who is going to unseat some of those unknown commodities that we saw last year. If you're putting all your eggs in the Lucas Patrick bag, I got no problem. I got no problem with that. If that center is going to take over and and turn this offensive line with two young players at the tackle positions and 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 guys that you brought in here from the Buffalo Bills and other other NFL um, you know uh, organizations to man that offensive line, cool. 
We'll see how that gets going. But in the end, I, I want to make sure that the guys, if my offensive line is going to have to gel first six or seven games of the season, I want to make sure that when you are upright and you do find the chance to have some separation, you can throw it to somebody who's going to take it to the crib or make a big play out of it. Not named Darnell Mooney, by the way. Because the Cole Komet thing, the jury's still out. You, you, too high a pick for us not to see uh, more boom moments, if that makes any sense. And yes, I know his snap count, especially early on in his Bears tenure, was woefully low because Matt Nagy, for whatever reason, couldn't find him uh, snaps on the, on, to get on the field. But going forward, man, yeah. If, if Valus Jones is Debo Samuel, cool. But what you better tell me is that you just drafted Bob Sanders and another version of Kyle Fuller because Drafting a corner and drafting a safety, yes, need picks. And, and this is what I tried to get into when we talked to Anthony Heron the other day. Can I both hate and love a draft at the same time? Because I don't like the fact that they left that much value and talent on the board, but I also have to trust that the value and the talent that they see in these two guys until further notice is exactly what it should be. You know, if you were to describe Ryan Poles, I wouldn't say that he's some gunslinger, some some crazy move maker, especially from the first few moves that we've seen. Everything has kind of been pretty pedestrian, right? Is Byron P Pringle doing it for you, right? I mean, the Khalil Mack trade, big swing. Don't get me wrong, but you got a second and a sixth for him. I'm just sitting here trying to figure out if Justin Fields is your guy, how do you not put some other pieces around him? Pieces that, that draft experts and draft uh, scouts and, and all the prognosticators had ranked ahead of Bayless Jones. Now, is Ryan Poles going to be the smartest man in the room or prove to be the smartest man in the room? We will see. Am I hoping he is? Hell yeah, I'm a Bears fan. But when I look at this thing, it's looking like scared money. or or if it's not scared money, if it's not him being too conservative, if it's not him, you know, making sure that he is uh, being the guy who won the interview, because let's face it, after you win the interview, you can go ahead and be who you need to be. What they're going to do, fire you? You won the interview. But I also understand as, as a, a young black general manager in the NFL, like you tell me the gunslingers and move makers and, 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 and you know, riverboat gamblers kind of vibes that you get from young African-American general managers in the NFL. You don't get that gig for being brash and verbose and all over the place and the quotables and talking crazy. Nah, you can't be that. You can't be the Rex Ryan or the Rob Ryan of, of, of general managers. I mean, you look at any position of power when it comes to the NFL and African-Americans filling those positions. You got to be close to the vest, keep your cards as, as close to the vest as possible. Um, make sure there ain't no leaks in your building. Make sure that you're getting, in, you know, a, a good foundation and a good established relationship with the media. Like you got to make sure that everything's checked off. And in that, you also got to make sure you find talent. You got to make sure that you are out here. Um, if, if red flags have, 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 have been raised, because let's face it, man, take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. 
it ain't just Patrick Mahomes. Everybody's favorite All-American quarterback. They, they've, had, they've had some guys who've had some, some quote-unquote red flags, and for whatever reason, they've been able to win games while handling some of those issues. Tyreek Hill, before he got the dope, had the issue off the field with his baby moms and his baby. <laughs> they paid him. Frank Clark. Go back and look at Frank Clark's resume in terms of off-the-field behavior. Travis Kelsey coming into the league. Travis Kelsey has been everybody's darling and, and been an outstanding player, one of the better characters in the league. I love the Kelsey brothers. I love him and Jason. The family seems like a good time. But Travis Kelsey was a first-round graded tight end who got drafted, if I'm not mistaken, in the third round out of Cincinnati for a reason. There was some quote-unquote character concerns, character issues. And as that term becomes a little bit more drilled down, a little bit more specific, especially now in this developmental stage, an area where mental health is at the forefront of everybody's mind, and, and you can, you know, I want to say lean on mental health, but you can, you can point to, okay, this, this player hasn't been properly diagnosed maybe with something. He, you know, he hasn't had the, the right tools growing up throughout his life to properly um, understand if he's got anger issues, if, you know, if, if, if ADHD is an issue, like all the other things that, that mental health professionals can kind of uh, locate for you and, and kind of uh, spotlight for you. The NFL and the world has changed in the last 15, 20 years, hell, in the last five years. But the whole character issues and and all these other things, yeah, the NFL find a way to work it out if you got talent. Look at Randy Gregory, right? Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they haven't won much, so they probably ain't the best example, but the NFL, they'll get around it. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if Ryan Poles is building the foundation of a team that he thinks has to make up for Justin Fields, or if he thinks Justin Fields is just that good and they don't have to spend any capital right now on his offensive side of the football. Either way, man, I, I come away um, hopeful but not blown away by the Bears draft. And, of course, you knew he was going to get to the offensive line later on in the draft, drafted a few of them. Uh, the undrafted free agent market is supposedly one of the greatest of all time, especially since COVID kind of push back the clocks for a couple of classes. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping this team is, you know, an eight or nine win team this season. It's, it's bereft of talent. Let's face it. <laughs> this may be a five or six win team, but that five or six wins needs to come with Justin Fields looking as good as he possibly can. I feel you can find corners and safeties. I don't know if you can find an offense that's clicking the way it's supposed to be clicking when this team is supposed to challenge for not just the division, but for playoff contention and for Super Bowl contention. In two or three years, we're supposed to know everything that we, we need to know about Justin Fields. We're supposed to know that he's going to be getting another contract if necessary. We're supposed to know who his targets are going to be. We're supposed to know who his offensive coordinator is and will be. And I don't know if that'll be the case if Luke Getzey gets his hands on him and then he takes a couple of jumps over the next couple of years. Luke Getzey is going to be in line for a head coaching opportunity. All the decisions that have been made going into this thing. It's about Justin Fields and it's about the Bears offense. You can slow people down enough, but this NFL ain't going to allow you to not score enough as we've seen in the Matt Nagy era and Ryan Pace era. So 
I say all that to say this. Ryan Poles, if I need to introduce you to Vimp the Pimp or Lark in the Dark, you let me know, brother, because at a very young age, I learned scared money don't make money. And boy, did this draft kind of remind me of that. Coming up after a short timeout, we get a chance to talk to kegs and eggs. That's right, Adam Kramer, who's all about the gambling and college football for VSIN Live, Bleacher Report, and Game Day NFL. Oh, by the way, he's got a podcast called No Punts Allowed. My man, Adam Kramer, coming up next. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. I'm glad you're joining me, man. One, yeah. I get a chance to, to hang out with you for a few minutes and we get to chop it up. But, you know, this, this is like the, the second time of the year for me when it comes to you. Uh, because college sure. football is the entire time of the year when, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to you. And then the NFL draft that has become uh, the spectacle that it is and you know all yeah. the people in Vegas and all the sideshows and all this. This draft was actually a lot more intriguing than I expected it to be. Um, let's start right at the top. Uh, that Georgia football team making history. I want to ask you because you cover the sport like very few that I know out there. Uh, what did COVID do? to this draft class in terms of forcing guys to come back to school or make certain decisions and, and the depth of this draft. Cause I know a lot of bears fans are looking around like, okay, these undrafted free agents better, uh, better, better provide something cause they need bodies. Grateful. Well, it, I'll tell you, it made it hard for me to figure out what the hell year anybody is. <laughs> like I, I've had to go, I can't tell you how many times I've had to like reach out to schools. Like the red shirt junior, is he a super, super senior? Right. But I, I do think it, I think it recalibrated things. But the other thing that like we're in the midst of too, man, and this is a little sidetrack from the draft, but with the NIL stuff, like you're seeing mm. it with college basketball too, right? You got kids now that are probably going to be in an interesting position on the football front to maybe chill for another year, right? If, if, if you're a quarterback or somebody making a million dollars a year, you may not have to go to the NFL. So I think COVID, yeah, I think it, I think it recalibrated. I think it allowed, uh, I think, the, you know, not this past season, but the season before was, was really just so disrupted and, and a bit of a wash, quite honestly, for a lot, of, a lot of folks. Look, you know, Alabama did just fine, right? But I think for a team like Georgia, like, you know, they've been assembling this roster for like five years, right? People are going to look at it and say, like, oh, look at Georgia. It, they got a couple of kids on that defensive line that are going to be mocked. You know, we're doing the 2023 mocks now, which which is hilarious. I love it. I can't help. It. I, can't I do, too. I, I click I, on every I, single one. I, I am I, the person that you guys hate because I know guys hate doing mock drafts like version 6.0, 6.1. It's me. I, the, your editors are doing these things because of me because I click on every one of them bitches. <laughs> read the shit out of them, man. Like, <laughs> and you can't help it. Like, oh, man, why the Texans? Why are the Texans passing on Bryce Young, right? No, but like, I do think, you know, it, the, Georgia, when you start with Georgia, right? right? Georgia, here's, here's the most interesting Georgia tidbit. They had a tight end draft, right? At the very end of the round. They've got like three legitimate freak show tight ends on their roster. 
<laughs> uh, Brock Bowers, who, who's not going to be drafted for two more years, is a legit freak show. Eric Gilbert, who didn't play last year, mm-hmm. uh, who's at LSU, missed the season. There's a lot going on there. But if he plays, maybe the best of them all. And Darnell Washington, man, I did a 3,000-word story on him. The dude's 6'9", 270 pounds. So if you're Georgia, that was the funny thing about Georgia. It's like, yeah, they set all these, had all these people drafted, and you're thinking about what's coming back, the starting quarterback, probably, unless somebody else beats him out, and a ton of other dudes, right? This mm-hmm. is the, the Alabamaification of things, although, man, 15 players, that whatever, that's a, that's a lot of losses, man. That was a really good team. Yeah, Kirby Smart is going to have to restock, reload, and you know, hand the ball to Stetson Bennett once again. So, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Shout out. Hey, you know Maybe. what, man? Shout out to that young Maybe. man, by the way, because he's going to be governor of of Georgia when this is all said and done. Oh, you yeah. know, like, car dealerships. Yeah, right? he can do like, whatever he wants. <laughs> shaking, shaking hands, kissing babies. I mean, that dude. That dude's got it made, and probably some kick-ass NIL deal too now, oh, like everybody oh. else. Like some 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 sweetheart Georgia deal. Some local. I was talking to Anthony Heard about it. I'm like, if you're JT Daniels, you're like, man, what the f- like? What, uh, yeah, what yeah. F- what? Like, what? Damn, twice? This, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe a third time, but yeah. No, I mean, so so Georgia was ridiculous, but we gotta. I so the Kobe Dean though, right? Like, yeah. I gotta. I mean, I'm just gonna steal it and get about this thing so speak on it i was at i was at the championship game that was the best player on their team that was the best player maybe on on the well we'll anderson bryce young they got something to say about but that was the dude that when you watched all year was like you couldn't take your eyes off him he was everywhere against michigan man he's running across the entirety of the field i was this is where you know someone who covers college more than the nfl draft i get like upset I'm like sitting on my couch cursing, like, what the fuck? Like, take, somebody draft this dude. So I assume that the medicals must be rough. Like, they must be rough. What was interesting, though, Jason, is like normally before draft, you get a, like, this, this shit leaks. So you right. kind of know, like, oh, so and so's knees torn up. Right. But like, people who I really trust and know during the heart of like the second round, they're like, I have no idea. And then it starts to leak. But the fact that that dude fell and sat as long as he did, and Georgia had a linebacker taken before him in, in Walker. Okay, quite well. I mean, you looked at all the Georgia dudes that went, and it, it was mind-blowing to me that that guy had to wait that long. So I don't mean to stay on the Georgia thing, but, you know, the, the Atlanta roots and, you know, how we met. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, o- it's only right. Um, a lot of Bears fans, including myself, when that second second-round pick came around and George Pickens was still on the board, and you're thinking, who's – Justin Fields is going to throw two besides Darnell Mooney and maybe Cole Komet. You, you hear about the red flags. You hear about the character issues. Um, the Bears have drafted a couple of Georgia wide receivers who have been thrown out of games, both of them, and, and summarily released from the team. Uh, are his red flags that crazy that um, he dropped the way he did? I'm speaking of George Pickens here. And, and what kind of pro do you think he is? You know, he's a really interesting guy. Like, the red flags on him are like, and I hate this shit too, right? I do like, too. I do. It's, like game, it's like you know he got caught with he got caught with weed. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh, wow. Like, no, like I mean, the Jets. My Jets drafted a dude from Texas A&M who had some serious shit. But like, hey man, he's six five two seventy and had more hurries per game than Aiden Hutchinson. So That'll not a bad idea. But no, but Pickens is interesting too. Like, let's start with as a player because like he was all or nothing, right? He got hurt. He came back. 
it was a lost year, but when he came back, he's still probably the best deep threat. And like the quote that I kept reading was like, if it wasn't for the baggage, he'd be a top three wide receiver, a top four wide receiver in this class. So, and, and if it's selfishness or if it's just the dude, like an attitude thing. Yeah. I would take a crack at that. Like, you know, I, this is, this is how, without knowing the Intel, how I calibrate baggage. If I'm a coach or a GM, I'm, I, I stubbornly, Jason, I'd be like, I, you know what, we're going to we'll get them in here and we can fix that. Right. Assuming it's not worse than that. So, but his game is pretty interesting because he played in an offense that wasn't necessarily conducive for like his skill set, right? We made the defensive minute jokes, and oh, by the way, he blew out his knee and came back and looked the part. And measurables are great, so I think he's a really interesting prospect. And again, we're going on the hearsay that oh, he's kind of a dick, right? That seemed to be the, the synopsis of him. Right. Like, All right, there's a lot of dicks in the league. Okay, like we we can. That's okay. By I the way, we're gonna, gonna we're gonna iso- we're gonna isolate that soundbite for uh, <laughs> for future use. But go ahead, my man. Go ahead. There's a lot of dicks in the league, you know. I, However you want to quantify that, go for it. It's factually true in a lot of ways. But no, I, I liked his game a lot, man. It was it it, it was weird to me that again, it, it's like I thought when they were knocking him at first, like this is what we do, so so somebody could come in and get him. But it didn't seem like that. This dude actually mm-hmm. fell. All right, so let's actually get to the Bears draft. Um, tell me what you know about Kyler Gordon. How should I feel about him? I've talked to Anthony Heron about him. I'm, I'm checking in on all my college football dudes. I've talked to Anthony Heron about it. Uh, I want to know what you feel about the, the Bears' first pick in the 2022 draft and, and Ryan Poles' first pick as GM of this franchise. So we forget, we forgot about Washington last year because the offense was so bad and they lost a really bad game to start but this is i mean this is a dude that when you watch them defensively was excellent tall too right i mean the the where the the position is going is length and not just height but but obviously length in terms of limbs and to be able to cover people so yeah man i I like the pick i i thought the strategy as a whole for the bears was just like machine gun style like let's take a crack at all these different things and see what sticks and i think for a team like the bears that's trying to find you know, what this new found, well, the identity is Justin Fields, right? You know that. That's the identity. And then what's the identity after that? So I really like the pick. Like you you had the, there was so much attention on the first two corners and Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley that um, we kind of forgot about what was coming next in, in this position. And man, that place has put out some really good corners, guys that, and, and, and defensive backs, you know, that we kind of slept on. Buda Baker was a guy, one of my favorite college players in the last 10 years, right? That wasn't necessarily, if you watched them, you're like, same thing. Why is this guy falling? Right. They've really done a good job with that. They had a really disruptive season, Washington did. I like, I liked it a lot, even though, again, I'm sure, Jason, you're thinking this. You got all these flashy names on the board, right? Like, you got <laughs> these really kick-ass dudes that you watch that are productive, that can help you young quarterback, that uh. Kobe Dean, all those different things. And you're probably like, okay. Like, yeah. you know, I hope he can play no, is what I, I came away with. I think he's going to be really, I think he's going to be really good. All right. So before we get to Jaquan Brisker, I, you know, the Valus Jones pick, uh, more Cordero Patterson or Debo Samuel? <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, obviously you want me to say uh, Debo. But I like, want it, you to it, say, no, 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 no. I want you to say what it is. Cause I, you know, you just mentioned Buda Baker and there's certain guys who are like, I'm like, oh shit. 
Bob Sanders came back as a 19-year-old oh, and he's, he's playing in Seattle, oh right? Like, there, there's certain dudes you see and you know, okay, I can't wait till this happens. Like, for real, for real. Uh, Valus Jones, I mean, you know, I've seen him run past people. I've seen the special teams situation. But then when I started to see those jet sweeps and I started to see those quick screens and him him lining up maybe in the backfield, like, I everybody's looking for that player that they can exploit, like Debo Samuel, until it's yeah. time to play him. Is Is he that guy or is this just... Is this one of those things where if he gives you anything early on, it, it's a plus? Like, how should how should Bears fans be projecting what they should expect out of his productivity rookie year? I think, well, here's the thing. As a, as someone that loves the college level, I, I, I really want it to be Debo, right? I really want it to be Debo because when you look at how Debo's being used, although Debo doesn't sound like he likes how Debo's being used, uh, I do because it's an entertaining brand of football. And, you know, you know, Cordell Patterson's an interesting guy because he's kind of like found a rejuvenation and be put in this different role with, you know, Atlanta. But I'd say he's more in the Debo type. This is another guy. Again, we talked about corner where you had all these, these huge names and, and look, man, I'm a, you know, I'm a Jets fan. So Garrett Wilson, that, that was really exciting. And, and you had these guys, um, that were coming off the board and Drake London, like these different types of bodies. I thought Tennessee did a really, uh, some fun ways to flash for him and put him in a position to probably, you know, separate himself because of all the skill set that he's going to do. I think the one thing that is great for a guy like this, though, again, young quarterback, like when I think of how you can use him, it's high percentage completions. And then what, what can he do afterwards? Like, I, I think he's like a pretty interesting gadget player, which used to be a knock. I think like when you'd say gadget player, like, right. Shit, right. one trick pony. Now, like, if you have a dude that can do it, Garrett Wilson kind of the same way. Like, it is potentially really, really interesting. So, no, I, it all depends, man. The offense has got to be good, right? Like, this is part of it. Like, Debo Samuel is who he is because he plays in the Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. His quarterback play is good enough. I won't say it's great, but it's been good enough. But a lot of that low, you know, low failure rate throws that allows the person to succeed. That's what you have in something like this. Offense has got to allow them to do it. And that's that's the big part of it. There's a lot of really good gadget players around the league that probably just never had a chance to thrive. Right. I hope he has a chance at least to show what he can do. I know, I know Josh Cribbs is somewhere looking at it like, man, why can't y'all come up with something? <laughs> Could you imagine, oh. <laughs> man? Seriously. It, it, it's, it, it is like Reggie Bush. Could you imagine Reggie? In I, the I Kansas mean, City offense? Like, seriously, like my... The best pass catching running back of, of our lifetime, in my opinion. Could you imagine in this type of offense, like what he would do in a San Francisco offense? Like, mm. it'd be amazing. So, no, who, yes, there were guys with better measurables, but I think, think it's a really good fit. Again, a guy that takes up a ton of different roles for your team, which I think is good. Yeah, you you mentioned Reggie Bush, and I, and I, I think of it like guys that you first saw that you were like, okay. College can't hold him, so we're just watching him play for free for a little bit. Um, is there a guy like that in this draft? You know, I, I, I was listening to my man Bomani Jones and Dominique Foxworth the other day, and they were talking about, and, and Bomani mentioned there are four guys that he's seen uh, that he thought, okay, he can play in the NFL the moment he stepped onto a college football field. And that was Adrian Peterson. And was a couple of the guys that he had mentioned. Yeah. Um, they, they had a conversation about Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Derek Stinley. 
was was the reason why they were having that conversation because of who he was the moment he stepped onto an LSU campus, what LSU provides in terms of history at that position, how they recruit, what he was doing to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and guys like that who are yeah. who are who are Pro Bowl contributors now. Uh, is there a guy or a couple of guys who you're like, yeah, we've just been waiting to to see this true talent shine on the professional level, and the holding pattern was college football. So, so you know, I just did a story on like the all-time best first-round picks that will go, and and you think about some of the best ones, like it's it's crazy. And is there a guy in here? I'll tell you the guys that made me like feel things at the college. Stanley's one of them because I remember I did a story on him, covered the playoff as a freshman. I remember seeing him, and he was built different. And you know, you know, the connection with his grandfather. And, of course. I mean, there's a there's a depth there that's like really really interesting. The guy though. There's a couple of guys that jump out. Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, like that dude at six foot four, like even seeing him, like at the red carpet, you're like, holy shit. Like I've seen <laughs> him play in person, but, but even seeing him, like there's just not many dudes that are built like that. And I know he slipped because I get it. Like, you know, safeties, he didn't run as well as right. we thought he might, whatever. That dude's a bit of a unicorn. The other guy that I'll say, and, and and this is a bit of a surprise, and, and this is where the transfer portal and NIL is so interesting. Jameson Williams, there was a couple of moments last year um, in the SEC championship game in particular where he's making these legit five-star NFL players from Georgia look fucking slow. Like, <laughs> like he's running. Like, there was a, a level of game speed at the college level there that yeah. I don't know if I've seen. Like, in a long time, and especially being there, I remember thinking like, Oh my God. But again, coming off a knee injury and everything else, we'll have to see. And then, and, you know, the last guy, Jason, like, you know, stick it. This is like a Georgia podcast. I feel Jarvis like Jarvis Davis. Dude, like, <laughs> what, what is that? He's 350 pounds. His neck standing in front of him. I remember I'm just, I'm looking up and I'm looking at his neck. It's the size of a turkey, like a full on turkey, man. He's busting out of his shirt. And then to run the time that he did, and yeah. I know we're going to knock. He's not a three-down guy. You know, all this shit. I don't care. That is, hey, the, that those is, two downs going to be hellacious. <laughs> they, they are. So so there's some fun, really fun players. We've got, I think, next year's draft. Like, Will, Will Anderson Jr., Jason, is that guy. He is the transcendent talent. I don't know if that is in this draft, but we got some really fun players. The quarterback class in this draft, obviously we've seen quarterbacks get overdrafted and reach for. I feel like this draft went the way a lot of drafts should go, where, yeah. hey, guys, if it ain't him, you can't dress him up to be him. And, and you know, Kenny Pickett going first, you know, shout out to you and VSIN Live putting the money down, yeah. first quarterback taken. Uh, you know, everybody out there. Uh, you should you should be following Adam Kramer when he picks things. That's just that's just you know a side Thank note. Thank you. Uh, but the quarterback class, the Bears went and got Justin Fields, or Ryan Pace went and got Justin Fields because maybe he saw what was on the horizon. Um, what do you think of this quarterback class, and who do you think is going to to separate themselves, if any? I think Peckett. So much talk about the small hands. Um, I have a hard time weighing that because there's a reality to it. Joe Burrow's hands were, you know, deemed small. Dude's okay, right? That's working right. out okay. I'd say Pickett has a chance to do really well. The guy, though, I, again, Matt Corral, like, is not a finished product yet. But that's a certified dude. Like, I watch him, and I'm, 
and I'm wondering if you could get him and let him sit. Like athletically, he's just an incredible. And I thought last year, in terms of just the watchability, that was the guy that really really stuck out. Desmond Ritter, I thought was fine. Mm-hmm. Malik Willis, I thought uh, has some skills, but really, honestly, regressed a little bit last year. Just with, with the performance, but skill set wise, is really good. And then my guy Bailey Zappi, who I did two thousand words on. Look, that was at Houston Baptist. Found the right OC, mm-hmm. threw for more touchdowns and yards than anybody, and it's probably the least least athletically imposing, but a guy that people like quite a bit. To your original point, though, I think when I see what the Lions did, when I see what the Texans did, it was very clear that they're saying next year's draft class is C.J. Stroud, it's Bryce Young, it might be Tyler Van Dyke, who I think is going to be awesome, by the way, for Miami. They're, they're, the class looks really good. And I think you're right. I think teams got wise. If you had a player there like Corral in the third round and you said, gosh, you know, what the hell? The pressure is off a little bit. You could take some swings, but it was a weird draft. I, and I liked it too, because a year before you had Trevor, you had Zach Wilson, you had Fields, Trey Lance. It like, there was so much noise for the quarterbacks. It was almost disrupted. This was like a throwback in some senses. And, and it, and it wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't a great class for the QBs. All right, first blush, who had the days that, that their fan bases should be excited about. I know you mentioned the Jets. I, I loved what they did. I mean, when you when you got that many bites at the apple, I think two of those players are going to be fantastic, at least. Uh, and, of course, you mentioned Jarvis Davis with Philadelphia. Their day, yeah, getting A.J. Day. Brown, right? Uh, who Whose fan base is happier uh, this weekend than they were coming into this weekend? I, you know, Baltimore... Like it was like they drafted college football Twitter wanted them to draft. Like, it seems Baltimore, like they do that every year, yeah, and they, they end they, up they, being a ten or eleven win team every year. They just drafted, like you know, I mentioned Kyle Hamilton, right? Again, Iowa Homer here, but you draft Tyler Linderbaum, who's yes. been superb, right? Dropped a little bit because he's got short arms, whatever. Elite, awesome center. You draft uh, maybe Michigan's best pass rusher. In David Ohenabo, who had the uh, the Achilles injury, which was great value. Travis Jones from UConn, who was great. And then Daniel Falele, who, I, I mean, Jason, I met him in Minnesota a couple of years ago. You know, 6'9", 400 pounds. You, may, you, remember, may, you mean you were in his area. Well, <laughs> I was in, I remember he, he, we took a picture, right? And he put his arm around me. And it was like, I've never felt, I was like, oh, this is, I, I, got, I felt like a teddy bear. Like, that's what it felt like. It was like, this is what it's like, like to be a baby. So, so they just kept, <laughs> they just kept doing it, man. They just kept doing it. Um, you know, they go out and draft the punter. You get a dude from Alabama uh, in Davis, who I thought was going to be pretty good. Charlie Kohler, the tight end, who is going to be a red zone machine, which I thought was a really interesting fit. Isaiah Likely, the tight end from Coastal, who had really rough measurables, was really good this year just like a lot of the things they do and it does seem like a broken record because it's just something they seem to do all the time and it's just it's it's just interesting to me yeah i don't i don't know how someone hasn't um 
thrown all the money at everyone in their in their scouting staff or <laughs> you know, crazy. say Ozzy, hey, by the way, you don't have to put a dollar up, but can you kind of be the owner of the team just so you can, you know, so you can yeah. give us some of the tidbits and, and, and delegate responsibility like you have. Before we let you go, I always like to yeah. wrap it up with fun with you because you're one of you're one of the more fun follows on Twitter and you make you make college football uh, a lot more interesting for me and and uh, all the people out here who consume your your content. Punters. Um, you, you, uh, you have an affinity for one Love specifically him. in this draft. And, uh, tell me, tell me about the young man. Was it San Diego state? Yeah. Matt Ariza. Yeah. So punt <laughs> God. Right. And here's the thing. He, he wasn't the first punter drafted. I think the, he was like minus 300 or 400 to be the first specialist. Uh-huh. And he wasn't, you had a kicker go, you had, you know, two or three other punters go. So I did a story on Matt. I mean, the guy kicked the ball 86 yards during the season, okay? He can carry it a full, I mean, he can kick it a full football field. It's actually an interesting story because the NFL teams were turned off by him just beating the shit out of the football. And he talked about it. Like, he goes, I've had to change my style because they don't want somebody, and he addressed it. He goes, when you're kicking it to Tyreek Hill, you know, stakes are a little bit higher. So you have to, like, punt it up. But the guy last year, I mean, set records in punting. San Diego State was really good. They had like six one, like single-digit, you know, within a touchdown games mm-hmm. that they largely won. And oh, by the way, he also kicked field goals for them, and he was good. And he was one of the best kickoff people in the country. So, you know, we talk about gadget players on offense, like the, wanting more of them. I want this dude to be that. And it's not like NFL teams want that. He goes to the Bills, though. And it's he had to wait longer than he wanted. It was kind of painful for all of us rooting him on. And then he goes to the goddamn Bills Mafia, which is perfect. They are going to love this dude and embrace this dude. And in that weather, he's going to have a chance to to kick it funky. He's a lefty punter, which the ball does weird things. Spin. Punter, so, yeah. yeah, man. So I, it was a longer wait. I'm sure he was bummed. And then immediately, like, yes. Yeah. I talked to him. I know he said more than anything. If I go early, it's got to be for a winning team. It's a perfect spot for him. And culturally, they're just going to embrace that dude. Hey, man, find, find a table for someone to get thrown to, through because any <laughs> anytime that man drops it inside the 15 from the other side oh, of yeah. the field, Bill's Mafia is going to be going crazy. Oh, man, I can't wait, dude. I, that guy is a joy to watch. This is why I love college football, man. Yes, we sir. can talk hunters for hours on end, but he's going to be a good one. All right, way too early national championship as we get up out of here, man. So I don't know how you don't include Alabama, right? Like, you know, Alabama doesn't just have the best player in football. They went in the transfer portal. Nick Saban keeps telling y'all, he warns you first, not politely. He doesn't say it politely. They went out and they got Eli Ricks, maybe the best cornerback now in football, and a superbly good uh, running back in Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Alabama feels really good. And the more I look at it, I think Ohio State's going to be ridiculous. I, th- I think Ohio State, Stroud is just getting started. They hired Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, the defensive coordinator. They lost all these wide receivers. And yet they've got like a- an arsenal of wide receivers that people you talk to there say, yeah, I don't want to say they're better, but we're not going to skip a beat. It's, it's crazy, man. They got a great offensive line. Um, I think it's really good. Georgia obviously is going to be in the mix. Mm-hmm. I think I think Clemson, if they can figure out what the hell they're doing at quarterback, which is really interesting, could be in the mix. Is A and M 
with all that money, that $30 million recruiting class they got, man, it's coming. It's, I think it's a year early, but they are coming. I think it's going to be fascinating that I, I, you know, but, but really to me, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, they feel cut above pretty much everybody else. I can't wait to chop it up with you and, and, and after this USC pit. Uh, situation gets uh, gets 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 figured out because anytime I hear college football coaches calling each other and not having the kindest of words, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it, man. But you know, Narduzzi too is getting in there, and man, he ain't he ain't mincing words. Yeah, he, he, he tuned he's, he tuning it up. He tuning it. You, you know what? I, hey, Lincoln, I, how you I feeling? I was literally laughing at myself yesterday, thinking about him storming around his office, just throwing f bombs. These mother. You know, like, yeah, get yeah, me on yeah. the phone. Get, get right. me anybody. Right? Like, I got so five I, goddamn players on this yeah, campus, yeah. and hey, you, you know, take one of them? <laughs> exactly. And the guy, I mean, the Blitnikoff winner, right? Like, you know, but if you're him, your OC left, your quarterback left, and oh, by the way, you could go play Southern Cal in an offense and make probably, you know, a million dollars. Shit, man, it ain't that hard. That's a, That's a pretty easy one for me. Hey, you got you got Narduzzi looking around like Denzel in training ah, day, like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Adam, always good to see you. Always good to talk to you, man. I appreciate you. You can catch Adam's stuff on VSIN Live, the pods. I mean, this is this is the this is the one thing that I do yeah. truly appreciate about Adam Kramer. His VSIN Live, his Bleacher Report, his game yeah. day NFL, but the podcast, no punts allowed. Tell yeah. me, tell me a little bit about that. It's fun, man. I've wanted to do a pod for a long time, and I've wanted to kind of do it my way, which was, you know, silly, stupid, fun, yeah. informative, light. We're drinking beers. Uh, we're talking football, but we're, like, we're talking whatever the hell we want to talk about, right? Like, that's been the fun thing about it. So we do some gambling, we do everything else, and it's it's pretty low-key. And that that's the part that I've liked the most. So I, I appreciate you bringing it up, because it was years in the making, and finally I was like, what the hell, Let's let's do this thing. You and me both, brother. You and me yeah. both. And, and you started probably a few weeks before this pod started. So uh, you're, you're upcoming on your one-year anniversary. Keep up Hell the good yeah. work, brother. Keep uh, Likewise. Keep pushing out those words. I always appreciate your time. Appreciate your content. Appreciate you as a dude, man. Right, Likewise, Jason, man. Always good to talk to you, dude. Yes, sir. Adam Kramer right here on the Full Go Podcast. Time for some commercials. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guillen and you are listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff on The Ringer in a Spotify. So I know Tuesday is going to be Cubs-Sox series and I remember what this thing used to be and I know what it is now. Now, there are both sides of town 
get their ire up in this kind of manufactured way in terms of their hate for the other side. And maybe it's not manufactured. Maybe y'all are still running around out here hating the other side of town for whatever reason. I've never been a part of that union or community. Um, I, I grew up liking the White Sox because it was a, the baseball team that I was introduced to who had the coolest colors and also had a group of young players that I could get behind in the early 90s. Now, of course, growing up on the North Side, I, I was around Cup fans at all times. And it just, it, it seemed like a place where dreams and hopes went to die. Let, let's be real about it. When I was coming up in the late 80s and early 90s, Cubs baseball wasn't popping. Um, Wrigley Field was cool. Uh, the Ivy was cool. Harry Carey, Steve Stone, all that good stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. Take me out to the ball game. That's fine. Show me where the winners are at. <laughs> and that's, that's what I did early on in my baseball fandom. And in the late 80s and early 90s, Wilson Alvarez, Alex Fernandez, you know, Jack McDowell, Robin Ventura, um, George Bell, and then Alex Ellis Burks and Frank Thomas, Ozzie Guillen, Joey Cora, Ron Karkovice. Like, those are the guys who, who brought me to the dark side, which is the south side. And as we get ready for Tuesday, I'm going to let y'all know now, it still remains the same. You're still a goofball if you get into a fight in the stands with a, a, a member of the opposite fan base or the opposing fan base because y'all still live in the same city, right? So more than likely, the person that you get into a fight with, especially at a baseball game, you're probably going to run into them again because you're at a venue that, you know, very few people go to one baseball game a year. So know that. Right. Like know this. You, you get into a fight during this, this series that it should probably be on site for you for the rest of the summer because you're probably going to run into that person. And two, know that know that we we laugh at y'all. We, we, we make fun of you guys. We 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 point at you and show our kids what not to be when you guys are out here getting into fights at sporting events. Yeah, I know. You know, the Cubs started off this joint in April. Everybody's like, oh, look at this, you know, six and four. And then they started kicking the fucking baseball around and having awful at-bats with less talented hitters, right? Like, the last two years, it was like, man, these at-bats suck. Why can't the Cubs, you know, string a, you know, a, a good couple of innings of, of solid contact together? Why are they striking out and worried about launch angle? Well, striking out and worrying about launch angle with Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras and them boys is a lot different, and Chris Bryant is a lot different than doing it with Jonathan VR and, <laughs> and, and Patty Wisdom and Frank Schwindel and the boys. This team's approach at the plate looks kind of like it did last year. And they have gone, what, two and nine in their last 11, 10 games? Now, shout out to Marcus Stroman on his 31st birthday. He gets himself a 2-0 victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. Had a, had a strong outing after getting touched up in the previous couple of starts. Um, David Robertson came in there to close it down. Always good to see uh, the Cubs in Milwaukee because it's like Chicago North. You know, you can go drive, what, an hour and 15, somewhere, something like that away, pay a cheaper ticket, probably be in a nicer stadium than Wrigley Field and enjoy yourself uh, and watch the Cubs win. As far as the Sox concerned, um, whew, this offense is trash. It is big trash. Uh, Luis Robert. He he legged out a single in the ninth inning comeback today where they scored five runs. They were down 6-0. They scored five runs to make it 6-5. Uh, didn't have it at the end there. Uh, Jose Abreu gets hit by a pitch. 
Yasmani Grandal has a quality at bat. Luis Robert grounds out, uh, you know, a ground uh, runs out, I should say, an infield single. Um, they waited too long to get the offense going. They were going up against a guy, Michael Lorenzen, who, you know, was a decent pitcher. The longest outing of his career happened today as we are recording on this great Sunday evening. The longest outing of his career. So that just lets you know where the Sox bats are right now. And I mentioned Luis Robert legging out a single. Luis Robert got to get back in the lab because as talented as Luis Robert is, as, as much of a five-tool player as he is, as much of a dark horse MVP candidate as everybody, including myself, said he was, the discipline at the plate has to be there. The man is swinging at any and everything, and it looks bad. And Ozzie Gein even said it himself. It's easy to pitch to a dude who's swinging at everything like Luis Robert is at this moment. And especially with Eloy Jimenez being out, which seemingly is going to be a yearly tradition. Um, unfortunately, the, the, the man can't stay healthy for any stretch of period, any stretch of time. I worry that this thing is going to get closer and closer to the summer. You know, what does it say? 35 games. You kind of figure out what you got five times, six times through the rotation. Try to figure out what you got. Dallas Keuchel, even as an innings eater before, it was like, all right, well, he's not Dallas Keuchel of old, but he's eating innings. Well, guess what? It ain't eating innings if you're getting shelled in, in four or five innings. You know, it's not the six or seven inning Dallas Keuchel who's got three or four runs on the board you could deal with because your bullpen isn't taking a hit. No, no, no. The bullpen's taking a hit and he's average at best. So they got to figure something out. Um, the rotation is bumpy. Uh, the fielding and base running are average at best. And the hitting just isn't there. Um, this series is going to be one of two below-average baseball teams at the time. But I'm sure everybody will get their ire up. It, it just feels good to see these two teams on the field together and, and the opposing colors and the opposing fan bases traveling to the other team's stadium. Like, all that stuff will be fun. Don't get into any fights out there and enjoy yourself some baseball. Um, it's going to be cold. So enjoy some cold baseball and enjoy some below average baseball. And please, please, please don't be the people out there that me and my, my son are making fun of uh, as we go to get a churro and you're being locked up by a security guard with a neon green jacket. Like, don't be that guy or girl out there. And enjoy your time. Enjoy your time. Cub Sox series is always a good time. I enjoy taking my uh, my uncle, who is, what, 26, 27 years on the Chicago police force, um, try to get some tickets, see if he's got an off day over these next three days and, and ride out there with him. But enjoy your time, and, and we'll be talking about it on the Full Goal Podcast. And oh, by the way, ah, Jason Hayward must have stepped into that that Angels clubhouse slash dugout and yelled at the Angels uh, after Shohei Otani went down with the groin injury because your man Joe Madden almost pissed away another game. And we all know whenever that happens in big moments, Jason Hayward comes to the rescue and screams at people. And then all of a sudden they win the 2016 World Series. Oh, wait a minute. Those stakes weren't those stakes tonight. But anytime Joe Madden is pissing away a game, I think of Jason Hayward. I think of Jason Hayward coming to the rescue and saving the day for him, much like he did in the 2016 World Series. And yes, this was just a chance for me to take a shot at Joe Madden and also uplift Jason Hayward, who yelled at some folks so that Joe Madden couldn't piss away the 2016 World Series. And I hope that message comes through clearly. Enjoy the rest of y'all baseball season. The full goal with Jason Goff. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 98 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. You got to join us on Tuesday as we recap the first game between the Sox and the Cubs. I want to say thank you to our guest, 
Adam Kramer. You can catch him on all the different outlets, whether it be VSIN Live or uh, Bleacher Report and the No Punts Allowed podcast. Make sure you check out my guy. He is one of the best college football minds in all of the nation. I love talking to him. As always, don't forget, you can hit us up on the full go voicemail line, 773-359-3103, 773-359-3103. We're going to keep that thing open for you as well because I threw it out during uh, the Sox game today. Sean Barber had four calls overturned at first base. I don't know if an umpire or anyone could have a worse day at their job, and I threw it out there for you guys. So if you've had just the the worst day imaginable at your gig. I want to hear about it. 773-359-3103. 773-359-3103. Tales of your worst day at the gig. Uh, make sure it's funny. Make sure it's interesting. You know, it'll always be uncensored here. So go ahead and use that voicemail line. We want to thank our production staff. Ah, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti and the always active Jesse Lopez. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you for listening to, downloading, uh, subscribing to, sharing, rating and reviewing, doing all the things that you do for this podcast. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. We are inching closer and closer to episode 100 and it wouldn't be possible without you. Uh, let me get that straight. It, it, it probably would be possible without you. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without Spotify, The Ringer or Bill Simmons and you and you, you know, so you guys are like fourth on that list there. But we appreciate you guys being forth, and we love you. Uh, for the fellas, <laughs> I'm Jason Goff. Thank you for listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And, of course, Spotify is the gang. We leave you with this, as always. Take care of each other and be safe. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.